0: Good to see you guys this morning, your beautiful faces. Look, I'm excited to uh, bring the word this morning. Um, you know, how, how many of you have been tuning in online and listening to the sermons? I think like Pastor Jameson preached about pole position. We've talked about imposter syndrome, right? And then we even left off last Sunday by talking about seeking the Lord, right? And how prayer and fasting and positioning ourselves to seek the face of the Lord is actually important. Right, It's something that we need. It's a necessity to our Christian life. Amen. And what I'm getting ready to talk to you about this Sunday is right in the vein of those messages. And I feel like it's a timely word for this house. It's actually a word that I'm living right now, Uh, probably like this morning, yesterday. uh, I feel like God is taking me and traversing me through this word. And uh, the title of uh, this sermon is called The Second Wind. Say the second wind. Second wind. Amen. I'm going to start in uh, a bit of scripture here. In uh, Acts uh, verse one, verse four. So I'm going to read it, and as I'm reading it, I want you to just pause and let these words wash over you. Just listen to them. Uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John was baptized with with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read it one more time. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. That my father has promised, yeah. which you have heard me speak about. For John was baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Couple of words I want to focus on in that scripture. The first one is, "Do not leave." Say, "Do not leave." Do not leave. Have you ever felt like you wanted to leave somewhere? Yeah. You know, have you ever felt like God has given you a word, and and maybe you're not leaving physically, but metaphorically, you've left the word. Right, I have a couple examples of that. Maybe God has spoken to you, you're going to finance the kingdom one day. And you're like, Lord, I can't even finance my my phone bill. Maybe God has spoken to you, I'm going to make you a marathon runner to the nations. You're going to run around the nations. You're going to run races for me. You're like, Lord, I've never ran a mile in my life. Am I speaking to anyone in the house this morning? I've had so many words that God has spoken over me. and, And it's interesting because it's almost like my current reality completely contradicts yeah. what God has spoken to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And what I want to tell you is oftentimes when God gives you a word, a prophetic promise, when he speaks something over your life, it will oftentimes completely contradict your present reality. Yeah. Yeah. But even in that moment in the scripture he says, "But wait. But wait on me." And actually this scripture is interesting because the context of what was happening here is so important for us to go over. At this time, before this passage in John, you know, Jesus had just been handed over to mere men by a disciple to be crucified, right, to be beaten. And then he dies and he's in the tomb and he rises again and he resurrects. And the disciples are in this moment where they're experiencing both political unrest because they have the Jews who are, are scoffing them, making fun of them. The Christian church is in its infancy And you even have uh, the religious elite and skeptics uh, saying, where is Jesus? Who is this Messiah? He can't be the Messiah. And so this is a very dark time, I would say, for the Christian church at the time. And as Jesus appears before the disciples, he gives them this promise. And he says, I'm going to depart from you. But when I do, I am going to send an advocate. I'm going to send a helper That is going to help you. And you are going to be my messenger. Say messenger. Messenger. He said messengers to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But now this is the interesting thing. The church at this time, I'm pretty sure the disciples were feeling powerless and not powerful. I'm pretty sure at this time the disciples were feeling abandoned and not comforted. But yet God still gave them this word. And so the thing I want to mention here is God will speak a word in season that completely contradicts your present reality. He's telling the disciples, I'm going to make you powerful. I'm going to send you across the, the regions. I'm going to send you across the nation. But in reality, they were scattered. There was a few of them. There wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of them. He's telling them, you will receive a comforter, but they were yet abandoned. And you know, there's a, there's a real example to this. How many of you guys are married in the house? Amen, hallelujah, glory, thank you, Jesus. Do you remember... Whenever you were engaged to your spouse, the engagement period is such a weird time. I remember I was recounting this this morning when I was engaged to Annie, uh, because there's a promise that you're going to get married, but yet there's this period of waiting and preparation before the promise actually comes. And I remember during that time, some of the thoughts I was having, I was like, man, am I built for this? Can I do this? you know, and the enemy started to remind me, Matt, you come from a lineage of broken families. Matt, you come from a lineage of failed marriages. Your marriage is just gonna end up the same. And this is all after I've made my promise, right? But I remember something changed for me in that moment when I said, I'm gonna do this. And what God has promised me in this relationship, he will fulfill. And there was almost a change in my perspective when instead of recounting uh, uh, the history of what has happened in my family or recounting the ways in which the promise wouldn't come about, I started to prophesy over my relationship. I started to prophesy the promise was coming. And I started to think about this, this scripture. What gave the disciples the ability to wait on the Lord? What gave them the ability as they were in their current situation, to say God is going to do exactly what he promised he was going to do. And this gets me to my first point. The first point is a promise requires position. Say position. position. You put yourself in a position to receive the promise, and the the position is, but wait, I am sending something. It is coming. A day is coming. You're going to prepare yourself. You are going to get married. There is a day where I'm coming back for you. So let's pick up the story in Acts 2, uh, verse 1. Now the promise has come. This is the day of Pentecost. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I want to focus on it. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So if you can imagine with me, yeah. after Jesus has ascended to the heavens, what do the disciples do? They decide to go back to Jerusalem yeah. and they go with Mary. Mary was included into the, in, that, in that camp. And they go to an upper room and they say, we are going to pray. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. What does waiting look like? Waiting looks like prayer. Yeah. It looks like seeking the face of the Lord. Yeah. It looks like reminding yourself of the things that God has spoken to you and holding fast that God will do exactly what he has promised. Yeah. And that's exactly what the disciples hear. And the interesting thing here is it says they were all together. Yeah. It wasn't a few. It wasn't just the 12. Yeah. It was 120 of them, basically 10x the original disciple camp. They were all together waiting and praying, and then a suddenly came. And so what keeps us engaged in the waiting, right? Is it uh, our eloquence? Is it our ability to recount scripture? No, it's actually remembering. It's remembering, it's remembering. You know, I was thinking about my wife this morning because she's pregnant and she's getting ready to have a child. And the pregnancy process is so interesting Because you start the process and you're super excited. You're like, I got a child coming. You know, you start picking out colors. You start preparing the room. And then as you start journeying along through the second and third trimester, the pain starts to kick in. And it's like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I actually have the fortitude to continue. And then there reaches a point at delivery when you're getting ready to have the baby and your body is literally breaking right? Everything within you is failing. And I remember seeing this in my wife actually specifically. I remember seeing her lying on that stretcher and I saw the point in which she was completely broken, Uh, uh, deficient in energy, deficient in strength, and just completely powerless. But it was almost like in a moment, in a suddenly, there was a strength, a tenacity that quickened her spirit that said, let's go, we can do this. And then she started to push and that baby came. And I feel like this is the second wind that I feel like God is calling for this house. I feel like God is calling you to a second wind this morning. A lot of you have felt like, God, I've I've reached the point of maximum exhaustion. I've heard the word that you spoke. I'm going to have a child. I've heard the word that you spoke that a promise is coming. But God, at this point in time, my present reality says opposite. I'm tired. But I feel like the Lord is saying, I am getting ready to send my suddenly to you this morning. I am getting ready to perform my signs and wonders to you this morning. There is a second wind that is coming that is going to give you strength in order to push that baby out. Friends, this morning we are pregnant with destiny. This house is pregnant with the destiny and prophetic word of the Lord. Your life this morning is a prophetic life. As we were singing this morning, it says we are assigned to a generation. You know, Scripture says that your life is an epistle, meaning you are a story. And when people read your story, that story is what gives glory to God. But this is the thing I want to highlight. It's in that moment, right, whenever your body is breaking, before the baby's coming, that's the moment where you want to abort. That's the moment where you want to quit. That's the moment where you want to give up right before the promise is realized. The enemy comes to try to confuse and distort. But actually, that's exactly the moment I feel like God has positioned us in. Instead of saying I'm positioned for failure in this moment, I believe God has positioned us for a miracle. Right. Let's recount. Let's recount some of our history here. Right. Right before December happened, we got this word. We're going El Cerrito. Right. We are excited. We're going to see a harvest. Yeah. God has planted us amongst a locality, a community in which we can demonstrate his power and his glory. And that we're going to see mi- plenty of people come to Christ. Yeah. The house was filled. Yeah. Then in, in traditional fashion, Omarion comes through the congregation, yeah. breaks dance, does his thing. Yeah. And COVID happens and we're in a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we were so full at the time. I thought the, the bathrooms were going to have to be used as an overflow. I was like, Lord, there is no room for us to contain what you were doing in this season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now, where are we right now? We're waiting on the Lord. Yeah. We're yeah. waiting on the Lord. Just yeah. like the disciples and the, the company of the 120 were waiting in the upper room. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know why they were waiting? They were waiting because they still believed the word that they received. Wow. And this was a word that was promised in Joel 2: I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old mans will have dreams. This was a word that Jesus had given them long before. He said, I'm going to send an advocate, my comforter, with you, and he's going to enable you, and he's going to give you the strength in order to carry out the vision. And so this morning, I feel like for this house, the Lord is calling us to wait on him this morning. He is saying, it is in this moment, moment, I'm going to allow my suddenly to come upon you you're gonna prophesy, you're gonna make it through to the other side. Do you, know what, do you know what a second wind is? Does anyone know, any runners in the house? Yeah. A second wind is actually devastating because in order to hit the second wind, you need to lose the first wind. <laughs> in order to start to experience the second wind, you need to get to a point of complete deficiency and desperation. And so for some of you who don't know, a second wind is when you're running, And runners, uh, they they give an account and they say, it's almost as if your lungs are getting ready to explode and your muscles are inflamed with fire. Everything within your body wants to give up on the course. But almost in a suddenly moment, you get this burst of reinvigoration of energy that allows you to continue to finish the race. And some scientists say, oh, it's because, you know, the oxygen level is matching the lactic acid need in your body, and so the rhythm is is synced. Others are saying it's an endorphin release, but a lot of runners say, and this is kind of the the general understanding, is it feels supernatural, right? Because something that was dead before, that was on, that felt like decay is now lively, is now ready, I have gas, I have sustenance, I'm ready to go, right? And I believe this morning, a lot of us have walked into this place feeling that. I feel that in myself. It's like, God, I've I've heard the word. I've done everything I felt that I could do to get to this point. God, I've carried out the word. I'm still carrying the child. I'm still carrying the destiny. But God, my body is physically tired. God, my eyes are growing weary in sleep. I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm coming to you this morning. A second wind is coming. Amen. 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 And so in in Acts 2, when it talks about this breath, this suddenly that blew through the congregation, this is considered in Hebrews the ruah, the the breath of God, which is the physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise that Jesus was giving them. He said, my spirit is going to come. A messenger is going to come. He says, my advocate is going to come. He's going to enable you so that you can fulfill the promise. Another thing, another thing to note here is that there were some spectators in the room as well. Yeah. And they were saying, oh, they're drunk, right? Have you ever experienced when God starts to do something in your life, you have spectators, there's always a peanut, peanut gallery. And people are saying, oh, no, that's, it's just a happenstance. It's just a circumstance, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, we can think about David and Goliath, right? When David was going against Goliath, look at that little boy with his, with his three rocks. What is he getting ready to do, right? When you think about Daniel in the lion's den, what is this man, getting? he's getting ready to be tore alive, Lord, we're getting ready to see it on display, you know? When you think about even what the disciples were going through, and you think about Peter before Jesus' death and ascension, and he was excited, I'm getting ready to be Petros, the Lord is going to build his rock upon me, and then he denies his very uh, knowledge of the Savior to a little girl, 13-year-old girl, right? Uh, and it's often in those times where we feel like we have yeah. reached the end of our rope, yeah. where we have reached the, the, the final standing that God comes and says, there is a second wind coming. Yeah. There is a second wind here. And so the second, the second point I want to make is the position requires remembrance. It's usually in the place where you want to depart, where you want to abort. God says, you're actually right where I want you. But wait. But wait. And so one of the things I want to mention this morning is God will often use desperate times and situations in your life to create a suddenly moment. Where is the wind? Um, I started to remember um, this, this occurrence when I, had, when I first started running. I was in middle school and I was a little Pudge Pudge kid, I had a little extra loving. And um, I remember the Lord was speaking to me and he was saying, you know, Matt, I'm going to I'm going to start to use you to run and you're going to learn about endurance. You're going to learn about uh, following me through this process of running, because I was reading about Paul at the time and how our Christian faith is likened to a race. And the very first race I had, um, I was a bit of a sickly child where I had issues with asthma and allergies and all kind of things. It was, you know, it was very nasty. And um, I was running my first race and I got right to the two quarter mile and I remember, at that moment, I felt that, that kind of first win where I was going to give up. And I decided to leave the course uh, because I couldn't breathe, and I was like, I just can't make it any further. And as soon as I stopped, I heard this voice behind me go, why did you give up? Why did you stop? And I looked behind me, it was my coach. And I told her, I said, coach, I was getting ready to, you know, I couldn't do it. I was getting ready to pass out. I was going to suffocate. And she looked at me. She said, Matt, don't you ever give up. That's the point where the second wind comes. She goes, that's actually the point where you're going to start to feel the release of energy to continue the course. She goes, don't give up. And I always remember that moment now. And God will often take you back to times where you have given up because he'll remind you that it's actually in that place where he'll carry you further. You know, some of you are like, God, you've spoken to me that uh, I'm going to get this job, and you've spoken to me that I'm going to have financial stability. But you look at your account, and you're negative 10 ways to Sunday. God is saying, that's actually the place. That's the place not to give up. You know, some of you are saying, God has spoken to us that we're going to have a child, but we've been barren for 10 years. That's the place where God is saying, "My second wind is coming." You know, some of you, God has been speaking to you and saying, "I'm going to use you to go to the nations. You're going to be a carrier of my presence and a carrier of the word, but you feel like you're embattled and entangled in sin. You feel like you just can't get loose. He's saying, "That's the place where my second wind is coming up. Say it with me, I am primed for a miracle. You know, it says in the word that God turns all things, uses all things for the wow. good of those who love him. Your suffering wow. by following the Lord, your suffering by holding fast yeah. to the prophetic word that he's yeah. given you, yeah. actually has a value. Wow. You know what that value is? Wow. That value is glory. Uh-huh. Because as God performs his work through you, yeah. as he performs the thing that he said he was going to do through you, mm-hmm. guess what? There's people who are watching. And they're going to say, isn't that little old. Little old uh, uh, Chanel that used to go to Sunday school service. My God, what is God doing through her now? Lord, isn't that little old Velma that used to be stuck in the world, but now she's full of the Lord, full of light, and she's a light to the nations, right? And so by giving up in that moment, we're actually not just giving up on our dreams and prophetic destiny, we're actually robbing the Lord of his glory. Because it's in the suffering. It says, Christ, he, he, we can equate with him in our sufferings, right? He's been through it. But there's coming a resurrection. There's coming a period where God's work will be put on display in your life if you just wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Just wait. He is coming. He's sending the wind to perform his promises. So my word to you this morning is just wait on the Lord. Amen. In Philippians it also says this, it says that he is both faithful, meaning he will do it, he's committed to his word, and he is also just. He is righteous to complete everything that he has spoken to you until the coming of Christ Jesus. Whenever you get in that moment and you feel like you're you're getting ready to lose that first win, I want you to remember Philippians, is that he is both faithful and just to complete everything that he's spoken over me. And the posture of waiting It's just agreement with that original word that you got. It's saying, God, I agree with what you told me five years ago, and I'm going to continue to wait until I see the promise come. In the book of Isaiah, verse 40 and 31, it says, they that what wait on the Lord shall what renew their strength. They shall mount on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. That's the second wind of the Lord right? As you wait, there's a renewal, there's a refreshing that comes, and you now have strength to continue to be, uh, to be a carrier of his presence. You know, I was um, earlier, maybe about two years ago, before me and my wife came to Boston, we were part of a ministry uh, where we would go uh, across college campuses, and we ministered the word of the Lord. And uh, it was interesting, because at that time, um, man, our marriage was in a very infancy stage. We're probably at year one, and we felt like, um, you know, it was it was difficult, right? We're arguing every now and then, and we're going to counseling. We're trying to make it work, um, but in that moment, we both committed to one another. We said we won't depart from what God has for us. Yeah. God didn't bring us together just so that we suffer for you know five, ten years, and that's it. God brought us together for a reason. And I remember talking to her, I said, babe, we have to remember the prophetic destiny that God gave us when we first decided to get married. Yeah. And that prophetic destiny was, I'm going to use you to be a voice to the ends of the earth. Uh-huh. And as we held on to that, I remember as we were doing the work on the campuses, um, there was oftentimes when we feel a deficiency in our spirit, like, man, do we really have the strength yeah. in order to carry out the word? Yeah. But in that posture of waiting, we would, we would get a couple of people in the room, I remember, and we would just pray. We would just say, okay, we're going to just start opening up the service by praying. God's presence would come upon these college students in such a magnificent way that it was like, this is the moment we've waited for. This is the moment we've prayed on. And one story I'm thinking about specifically is, um, God had given me this vision that he was gonna fill Harvard's yard with worshipers. And if you don't know anything about Harvard, Harvard is not a place that's usually filled with worshipers. Uh, (laughs) It's it's filled with other things, but I can tell you don't hear no hill song walking in the yard. Um, and he gave me this vision. And I told Annie, I said, babe, I feel like in the next 40 days, God is going to fill this yard, uh, with worshipers. Yeah, yeah. And in, in faith, she decided to take her guitar. And remember it was snowing as winter time at the time wow. to go and sit on the steps by herself yeah. and just play and minister before the Lord in preparation for what he was getting ready to do. Wow. And I remember there's a couple of days, it was like day 20, we were talking. I was like, babe, do you still want to do this? She goes, I don't want to go out there. But she said, I'm committed because I believe God has given you a word, and I believe he's going to do it. And so day 40 comes, and we have about 20 guitarists on the stage. We got a couple of djembes, and we show up, and there was like three people in the yard. <laughs> and all of them were uninterested. <laughs> they were just there. And I remember feeling such a sense of disappointment. Like, God, you, you have promised me. I've committed my wife, she's been out here shivering, taking the subway in the cold, playing her little guitar, her hands are frozen. You know, we have our whole church and we have ministries from across the city of Boston who are up here in agreement with this word, and nothing. And I remember feeling like such a failure. And it was like it's surmounted. It was all in one moment, and I felt like this is horrible. (laughs) This is the worst way to do ministry. But I felt... I felt a small voice in my spirit saying, just wait, just wait, just wait. wait. Don't get anxious. Don't try to rush it. Just wait on me. Just wait. And so we gathered and we did what we always did. We just prayed and we waited for the Lord to fill the place. And I remember, I kid you not, we prayed. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I see 50 people in front of us praying with us that God would fill the yard. And so before, there was just three. I don't know where they came from. (laughs) Maybe I wasn't wearing my glasses, but as soon as we open our eyes, there's 50. And they're praying fervently with us as we're praying out loud on these steps. And in that moment, God taught me something. He says, if you wait on me, he says, I'm coming. I'm coming. That is the measure of faith. That is the place that God has called us in this season to wait on him. Guys, there is still a harvest out here in this city. God still has a plan for us in this city. Just because we've had a pandemic... We have political turmoil, interest rates are going up. The plot hasn't changed. But what needs to change is now we need to get in position and say, God has given us a word and I will not depart until I see the fulfillment of the word in this city. That's our response. That's what God is calling you to. And so a lot of us, we say, God, what are you calling me to do now? Now everything has changed. The, the calling and the word and response is, wait on me. I am coming. And I promise you, suddenly moment will then come. We'll see this place fill. We'll see the city change. And guess what? We were in faith the whole time, right? We ran the race well. And so I want to encourage you this morning, you know, think of your faith as a race, right? There's going to be periods in which you get discouraged. There are going to be periods in which you feel like you can't go no further. Yeah. But remember the very first thing that got you in the race, and it was, God, you gave me a word. Amen. God, you spoke to me. And God, you surely will complete it. So Amen? Amen. Amen. So yeah. Amen. And the, th- the third point, I want. so just going back to the first point, the first point is uh, the promise requires a position right? When we receive the promise of the Lord, we need to be in position. The second thing is the position that we're in requires remembrance. In order to stay in that place of faith, we must recount and remember the things that God has done. Remember the testimonies in which God has brought you through. That keeps us there. And the third point I want to bring up is the promise is connected to glory, right? What God has spoken in you and through you, is so that the Father may be glorified through your life. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment when you feel like you want to depart from the word, in that moment when you feel like you want to leave, that's actually the place God has for you to set you up to receive glory, that your life is prophetic, and God is going to use you to be an epistle to folks around you to glorify his name. Amen? Amen. I just want to pray for us a bit. And then I'm going to end in the scripture. But Lord, we just thank you uh, this morning, Lord God, that uh, our lives are prophetic. Amen. God, we thank you. Lord God, I just speak resurrection of dreams in this house in the name of Jesus. God, I know that uh, if anyone is feeling like I felt this morning, I know that there are people who are feeling like, God, where are you in the process? God, where are you? That word that you spoke to me five years ago, I see the complete opposite today. God, I thank you. God, I just speak your breath of life into this house this morning. God, we say breathe upon us this morning, Lord God. Breathe your second wind upon us this morning, Lord God. God, I just speak strength, God, over every person who's feeling weak this morning, Lord God. God, I speak encouragement over every person who's feeling discouraged, Lord God, I speak, Lord God, freedom over every person that's feeling bound and confused right now, God. We prophesy the second wind is coming. The second wind is here. Do not lose heart. Do not depart. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And so, Father, we say we will wait upon you this morning. God, I just just feel like you need to recommit your yes to him this morning. If that's you... Don't worry about what's going on. Don't get distracted by me. But just say, Lord, I recommit my yes. Just speak to him right now in your own language. God, I recommit my yes to you this morning, God. God, we re-sign up this morning, Lord God. We say we won't depart, but we say now is the time. We say turn it on, Jesus. Give us the second wind this morning, Jesus. Perform your miracles and your work through us, God, that we might be assigned to generations in the nation. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 And uh, I just want to end in Hebrews 10. It says this, Hebrews ten, twenty three. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who has promised is faithful. God is faithful to you this morning. He's faithful to complete everything that he's spoken over you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.